message really quickly after being asked, so I didn't have to stress about it. <laughs> and I wasn't in any doubt. So has anyone ever heard that you're too sensitive? Anyone too sensitive out there? No, just a lot of not sensitive people? Okay. Um, so I've been hearing that my whole life. And in the first several years of my career, I tried to change and be more tough, got a lot of feedback from managers that I was too sensitive. So I tried to ignore that sensitivity, that, that part of me. And in reality, this world values power. And sensitivity sometimes comes in direct conflict with power. And the world values what it calls strength. But in reality, strength without any sensitivity is nothing. But what I found was in this trying to toughen up that it was leading me further from where God wanted me to be. And he started dealing with me. He made human beings to be sensitive because that means we can be sensitive to God. We can be sensitive to others. And that sensitivity makes it a lot easier to do, as Jesus said, to love him and love others as ourselves. We can't go around weeping all the time, but we should have a healthy sensitivity to God and those around us. So tonight I'm going to speak on the topic, be tenderhearted. And for those non, those people that were not children in the 80s or had children in the 80s, that is tenderheart bear. <laughs> The Care Bear. So, <laughs> and it's also the classic version, not this weird new animation they got going on. Um, <laughs> so let's pray before we get started. <laughs> Lord, I pray you would speak through me tonight, God. Help me to deliver this teaching the way you gave it to me. And I pray we would have open hearts and open minds to take in what you have for us. Let us leave here different than when we came in. Help us to continue to be more like you. I pray you'd never stop molding and shaping us, that we're never too far out of your reach. We praise your name, God, and we lift you up. I pray for the Dornbox, that they would have a safe and fun trip, that they would come back here refreshed and with new enthusiasm. In Jesus' name, amen. In case you weren't aware, there's a pandemic going on. But before you tune me out because you're sick of hearing about it, the pandemic I'm talking about is that the world is losing compassion for one another. And you don't have to look too far to see it. We're less loving, less giving, and have less patience than we used to. Do you doubt it? Jump on social media for about 0.25 seconds and that will rectify your doubt. In Matthew 24, 10 through 12, Jesus is talking about what will happen in the last days. And he says, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the thing is, it's, it doesn't say here just people in the world's love will grow cold. It can be people in the church, too. Being a Christian doesn't automatically mean our love won't grow cold. And this has been really heavy on my heart lately. 
Because if we aren't consciously thinking about loving one another and being tenderhearted toward each other, our hearts will grow cold toward each other and the very people we're trying to reach. In Philippians 2, 1 to 2, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So I'll ask you, are our hearts tender and compassionate? Tenderhearted means that we are easily moved to love and compassion. Does that describe us? Notice that tender hearts beget compassion in that last scripture, and that that's essential to making God happy, agreeing with each other, loving and working together. Aren't those the essence of what God has called us to do? Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 to 39, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. But have you ever truly thought about what it would be like to love someone as much as you love yourself? Those moments when you're looking out for your own interests, you got your own things going, what does it actually look like day to day to love someone more than you love yourself and put their interests before your own? Paul says in Philippians 2, 3 to 5, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves, don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I don't know about you, but the attitude I saw Jesus with in the Bible was one of love, even when he was standing up for the kingdom. But I never saw Jesus talking about opinions of the things in this world. Just, he said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and there's not much else. But today, there's an awful lot of opinions going around. Everyone has one <clears throat> or several. Um, I, I'm a very opinionated person who can get very passionate about my opinions. But a few years ago, <clears throat> God impressed upon me that I cared more about my opinions than I cared about loving others. And that hit me pretty hard. And he's continuing to work on me about how I share my opinions. It's not a sin to have them, and there's certainly a time to stand up for what we believe in, but we have to consider how much we care about our opinions versus God's love. Something Brother Ryan Neer said in passing one day had a great impression on me. I'm not even sure he knew it did. It was just a fleeting comment, but God knew. He was still working on me, still is working on me. He said that before he speaks and as he lives his life, he prays that God would remove his opinions and biases, his preferences, and replace them with God's opinions and God's preferences. It's so easy to convince ourselves that the way we feel and think is exactly how God feels and thinks. 
But that's not always the case. And in our strong opinions, our heart grows a little less tender toward first the people, other people's opinions, those others, and then those other people. And then it's a slippery slope, and suddenly we find we're less compassionate. We're not truly loving one another, and we start to love God a little less. I pray that my heart can continue to be tender, that maybe people will continue to say that I'm too sensitive. I want to be too sensitive for this world, more sensitive than this world thinks is smart. Amen. And something the devil has done very successfully in this pandemic is not in the deaths, the sicknesses, the politics, whew, the politics, or anything else associated with this pandemic. The devil has very successfully divided us. He's divided people in the church. He's divided the world. Don't be deceived that the division you see and feel is the church being separate and distinct from the world. No. The division that we feel and that you see is the, church, is the spirit of the Antichrist preparing this world for his rise. But we aren't called to be standing on a side and shouting at the other. We're called to love one another. And that is how we truly stand separate in the world we live in. The devil has divided us on the pandemic, on masks, on vaccines, on the government both outside the church and inside the church, both in person and on Facebook. In Philippians 1, 9, Paul says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Church, is our love overflowing more and more in this time? When someone talks about masks, vaccines, or the government, is your first thought to understand their opinion and love them or to get hot under the collar? You might say, oh, yes, I love people. I don't fight with people in person. I'm, I'm very kind. It's so easy to look at ourselves and think that we see things that maybe aren't super true. But then what do we post on Facebook? What comments do we make on other people's Facebook pages? We can't just want to grow in knowledge and understanding. We have to overflow in love more and more. And notice that it says that first in the scripture before it says to grow in knowledge and understanding. So this is principles for life. How do we do that? Do we watch more Hallmark movies? <laughs> no, maybe not. Um, so the place, number one. The place that we start is taking on the name of Jesus through baptism. And that's the first step in becoming more like him. The Bible says there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Followed closely, they're on the same slide because I had more things to say. So, uh, Followed closely by receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, um, which allows God to work through us more completely and be led by the Spirit. I know I'm always more tenderhearted when I'm being led by the Spirit instead of my flesh. So if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, um, you're in luck because there's clean, warm water in the baptismal. And I'm sure there's someone in here 
that can baptize. And wouldn't Pastor be so impressed? <laughs> and if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you can receive that promise from God here tonight at the altar. But if you have been baptized and filled with the Spirit, stay tuned. There's more. So secondly, we should pray, obviously. Can't have a list like this without prayer. They say you become like the five people you spend the most time with, and Jesus should be number one. And in our communication with him and time spent in the Spirit, we can become more like him. Number three, practice active listening. So often, we're listening to respond instead of listening to understand. I've been working on this for years, and I still have a long way to go. But it takes practice to listen with the intent to understand, because it's not natural for us to do that. But listening in that way means we care more about the other person's opinion than we do about our own. We have to consciously practice this to become proficient at it. We've got to pay attention and withhold judgment and re reflect and clarify, summarize, and then share something with the other person. But so often, we just get ahead of ourselves by deciding what we're going to say back. And it's really easy to do. Number four, Colossians 3.12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. As a child, well, probably as an adult, too, my mom will ask me if I have my happy pants on. <laughs> and it, as a teenager, it made me roll my eyes. Um, but seriously, if we consciously choose to be a certain way in the morning, chances are that's how we can be throughout the day. So we have to choose to put on tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's a lot of layers to put on every morning, but the longer we do that, the less we have to make that conscious effort every day. It becomes a habit and leads to a more tender heart over time. So continuing that verse with number five, um, Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults. Others have to make allowance for our faults, so it's only fair that we should make allowance for other people's faults. None of us are perfect, so we should make allowances, which leads us to number six, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And to truly forgive someone is more than just lip service to God. Sometimes I forgive someone, think I've forgiven someone, only to realize at a later date that I didn't actually forgive that person, only telling myself and God that I'm forgiving them, but I really needed to dig a little deeper to truly forgive that person. Number seven, Colossians 3.14 says, more clothing thing, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So we have to put on, like all that other stuff, more layers, put on that love for one another, and that's what binds us together, and that's what leads to perfect harmony. We're never going to love each other 
be bound together or be in perfect harmony unless that is the most important thing to us. More important than what we think, feel, or believe. We should have beliefs, and there should be a time that we stand up for what we believe. But even in that, we should be doing it in love. So back to Facebook. What are we posting on Facebook? And what are we commenting on other people's posts? Obviously, it's good to do this stuff in person too, but I feel like in person, it's a lot more natural to stop yourself and think before you say something than it is on Facebook. Do, does what you post bind us together or tear us apart? Does it create more harmony or less? There have been several times, many times, I've started to type something in a passion and hit the delete button and said nothing. <laughs> so clothe yourself again means it's something you have to consciously do each day. And that means in person and on Facebook. And we should be conscious of what we're saying on saying period and the implication that has on the kingdom. So it doesn't come natural to us in our sinful humanity to love each other and to be kingdom-minded in everything that we do. But we have to try to do that. I heard a clip of a preacher who I feel said it perfectly. He said, the devil has us mad. At each he said it a lot more passionately than this, but I feel not up to the task. Um, <laughs> the devil has us mad at each other and hollering at each other. We say, you don't love me because you didn't get vaccinated. But, and you don't love God because you did get vaccinated. And you don't wear a mask, so you don't love your neighbor. And you wear a mask, so you don't have faith. If you run from Facebook bashing on people and run into the church to give a shout, these are his words, not mine, to skip the shout and come to the altar and ask God to forgive you for the malice in your heart. The division in the church has to stop. We're the body of Christ. It was a great word, and it's so true. Are we in perfect harmony with one another? Number eight, Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. We have to let Christ's peace rule in our hearts. Nothing else should be ruling our hearts. And that we should be thankful. That's a bonus to do for this one. Number nine, 1 Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Sympathize with each other. A couple weeks ago, Pastor talked about being able to be moved with compassion for others. But if our hearts aren't tender, then we can't be moved with compassion for each other in this world that desperately needs saving. And if we're tender-hearted and humble, we can be moved with compassion for others in those situations that Christ would have been moved with compassion. Number 10, finally, number 10. In Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, 
as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, God through Christ has forgiven you. We need to make a conscious effort to not just put on those positive things, but to get rid of all the things that aren't good in our lives. And notice that it, it lumps bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Like This is all in the evil behavior bucket. So that's bad, and we should get rid of it. <laughs> Um, so we need to have a conscious effort to get rid of those things in our lives, and we should be guarding every response from our lips and from our fingers and act with kindness. Several months ago, a thought came to me during a youth service. If you haven't been down there, here's a photo of the wall I'm talking of one of the walls. The youth put their name tags up on that wall. They think it's fun. Cool. Yep, it's fun. Uh, so <laughs> that particular night, God impressed upon me that we should feel a burden for those stickers that are on the wall, but those people aren't here anymore. And we should feel a burden for those blank spaces where new stickers will be someday if we do what God has called us to do. But it's up to us as people, we can't wait for someone else to reach out to these people. It's up to each and every one of us, not just pastor and not just the leadership team and not just seasoned saints, but even if you've only been in church for a week, it's up to you too. I thought that message was intended for the youth, but come to find out, God intended it for up here tonight. We don't have a physical representation up here of who's passed through our doors and not been back. And those blank spaces where someday new people will fill. But imagine we did. Pray over that list of people. Reach out to the people that God has given you a burden for. So often, sometimes we think of somebody and we ask a friend in church, or we ask pastor, whatever happened to that person? But that burden that we feel for that person, instead of asking someone else what's going on with those people, we should reach out ourselves and find out. And pastor has said this many times over the pulpit, but he and his family can't be the only ones reaching out, the only ones keeping track of the people who are missing. And you might be the only person in here who notices that somebody isn't here. And as we grow bigger, it will continue to be more our responsibility to keep people connected and keep them covered in prayer. And it's important to God that we do that. So please don't walk out of here tonight and just tuck this away. Jesus is coming back soon. And we're running out of time. There are people who are hurting and lost and need to see and feel the love of God. And maybe they only interact with one person in their whole life that can show them that love of God. And maybe that person is you. And every day the Lord tarries is his mercy giving us a chance 
to reach out again. There are times that I'm just like, Jesus, this world is horrible. Just like, come back and get a stat. But then it's like, what about all those people that have still not been reached, that I have still not reached, that God has put in my life and asked me to take a step and to invite them, that he hasn't asked anybody else to do but me? What about those people? Don't let these last days harden our hearts to the needs of the people. Be tenderhearted despite the hate, despite the division. Brother Victor Jackson preached at the Online Youth Congress service, and if you haven't watched it, I would encourage you to do so. It's very powerful for anyone, not just for the youth. You can look up UPCI 2021 Youth Congress online, and it'll just pop up, and he's like, an hour and 50 minutes in, but you can watch the others too. I'm sure they're great. (laughs) It's not a normal Youth Congress message, but I believe it's exactly what we need to hear in these last days. He said a lot of amazing things, but the main takeaway for me was God had given him a burden. He was weeping and crying because of all the people he saw warring with each other and God called him to go to the place where George Floyd was killed. Not to take sides and not to protest and not to march, but to release God's name in the midst of war. He prayed with the people, gave them the plan of salvation, and there was peace in the days after he prayed. People were baptized in Jesus' name right there in the street. They had baptismals rolled in there. It was powerful of course that's not what we saw on the media in the news we saw tear gas and clubs and yelling but there was a powerful move of God and it was a powerful light of God's love in a dark time and he said if we're going to reach our world we need that now the world isn't looking for power And we know in this church that God has power. He still has the power to do the things that he's always been able to do. He can heal our bodies and he can do miracles. And he can do all of these powerful, amazing things. And we've seen it and we know it. But that is not what the world is looking for or needs right now. Well, they might be looking for it. But it's not what they need right now. The world needs love. And walking in love will be the next level for us as a church. Everything will increase if we can truly learn to walk in unconditional love. So, in closing, God is not calling us to take sides. There are plenty, plenty of people doing that already. God is calling us to love in a way that we've never loved before. To live out this type of love in our lives, we have to learn to be more tenderhearted. We don't just naturally love people the way we should. Our flesh is selfish. But we need to deny ourselves and take up the cross, the ultimate example of love. And for that light to burn brighter in the darkness, we have to be focused on making sure that our light is shining and we're not 
absorbing any of that darkness into the church so that our light can be shining as bright as God intended it to shine to this world. It's not easy. People are knuckleheads, as Pastor would say, and that includes all of us. But we can pray that God helps us see him in all people. We are all made in his image. So there's always something we can find in someone that can move us with compassion for them. And ultimately, as much as we think it does, this world does not need our opinions. It needs our prayers and it needs God's love. But it's not just for the lost that we need to love. Also, for our own salvation. The Bible talks about loving each other so many times. And if I had thought about this ahead of time, I would have known how many times it said to love one another. But it says it a lot. And if God is requiring us to be more like him, to make heaven our home someday, then I want to love people the way that God would love people. This altar is open, and I'd encourage you to find a place to pray tonight and ask God about the tenderness of your heart. Ask him if there are things you've said or typed that you shouldn't have. If you care more about your opinions than truly loving others, ask him to give you a burden for people and ask him to help you see people through his eyes. Seek after him and how you can become more like him. And as you're making your way to the altar, I just want to share the lyrics for a Casting Crown song. Jesus, friend of sinners, we have strayed so far away. We cut down people in your name, but the sword was never ours to swing. Jesus, friend of sinners, the truth's become so hard to see. The world is on their way to you, but they're tripping over me. Always looking around, but never looking up. I'm so double-minded. A blank-eyed saint with, saint with dirty hands and a heart divided. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, open our eyes to the world at the end of our pointing fingers. Let our hearts be led by mercy. Help us reach with open hearts and open doors. Oh, Jesus, friend of sinners, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Jesus, friend of sinners, the one who's writing in the sand, made the righteous turn away and the stones fall from their hands. Help us to remember we are all the least of these. Let the memory of your mercy bring your people to their knees. Nobody knows what we're for only what we're against when we judge the wounded. What if we put down our signs, crossed over the lines, and loved like you did? Oh, Lord, help us tonight. I pray that you would help us be more tender-hearted, God, that you would help us be more compassionate to this world, that we would reach more people, that in these days we wouldn't get more caught up in what's going on around us and more caught up in the kingdom and letting your kingdom come to this earth and your will being done. Lord, help us not get distracted by all of the shouting around us, but let us be more dedicated to what you've called us to do. Oh, Jesus, help us, God. <laughs>